0: Hello, and welcome to Overtime's third podcast episode. I am your host, Jillian Davis, author of First Time Leader and founder of Crescent of Maine, where we transform fast-growing companies through leadership, culture, and talent. Overtime was created for managers that might be feeling a bit isolated and would find value hearing from other managers in the same position. In today's episode, I talk to Sally DeRosa. Sally is the HR business partner at The Absolute, a technology, implementation, and consulting business based in Montreal. She has been an HR professional since 2007, and with over 10 years of experience in HR management, Sally was inspired by the growing need for strategic people management in small to medium sized businesses. So she founded HRWise with Indie Absolute, an HRES platform that helps SMEs grow whilst being strategic about people, process, and culture. She is active in the HR community, and as a tireless entrepreneur, business partner, blogger, podcaster, coffee elitist, and mother, Sally is truly a dynamo to be close attention to in the HR tech space. It was super great to chat to someone who is just as passionate about people and culture as I am. We kept it short, but I won't be surprised if we have Sally on again to deep dive into some of the topics we covered. Sally has such a great story to tell that she helped grow the absolute from 10 people to over 100, and through that growth recognized the need for better HRS software. And so instead of getting that externally, she built it in-house, and they've now white-papered it and is running that HR-wise business alongside her day job at The Absolute. Very much entrepreneurship in action, and it's always great hearing these success stories from a very practical perspective. We touch upon hiring at pace, maintaining an evolving culture, and the importance of having a coach when in time of transition and change. Just a note that we recorded this in a cafe, uh, so apologies for the background noise, but get comfortable and enjoy our chat. So I'm here with Sally DeRosa from Absolute HRWISE. Uh, I met Sally about four years ago through Mutual Friend and we um, immediately hit it off over our passion for HR and strategy. Really excited to be talking to Sally today about those topics. Um, Sally, why don't you start by giving a little insight into what you do at DiabSolute and what you're doing with HRWISE. So I've been
1: with DiabSolute for about um, six or seven years now. Um, started out because the company was in fast growth and they may have needed someone to help them recruit for a project that they were about to land. Um, so luckily they got the project and they did need me. Um, and we have gone from 10 employees to about 100 today. So it's been really, really fast growth. Within that growth, I've been so lucky to be supported by a president and CEO that really believes in you know, human resources, culture management, um, and being kind of the sponsor for an organizational culture. Mm. Um, And through that kind of passion that he has, uh, I am now also heading up a line of business called HRWISE, which is product-based. We implement a cloud-based HRIS solution for growing businesses small to medium, um, that wanna be strategic in the way that they look at human resources and, and growth and development um, without having the budget of a large enterprise, basically.
0: Nice, and definitely, Anita, I know in the work that I do with fast-growing companies, uh, HR is either something put in the corner or there's one person dedicated to payroll and strategy only comes when you realize how painful it is to you know, grow and do change management without thinking about people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, there's still this, despite it being 2017 and, and us constantly talking about culture and there's a culture fest happening or that happens in Montreal every year, it's still kind of taboo a little bit. And there's a lot of HRs we were talking about that kind of come out from administrative roles and payroll. And, and that is just not the basis of what a human resources department can actually provide to a growing company.
0: And so this is a question I get asked all the time when uh, the topic of culture comes up. In your opinion, where do you think culture comes from?
1: Yeah, this is a no-brainer to me. (laughs) In my opinion, it comes from the very top. Uh, Whether you want to talk about hierarchy or not, the visionary, the CEO, the president, whoever it is that has the end goal in mind that will feed it down to the organization, that's where culture has to come from. And if it's not uh, an example that that person is setting, then it's not something that's going to stick throughout the organization. Exactly.
0: It does not, it's so often put in HR as their responsibility, but you know, you can deliver a good strategy. You can say all these nice things, but if those at the top, wherever that, what that might look like, aren't delivering to that or, you know, living to that, then it's, huge waste of time and money
1: absolutely we just did an interview actually uh, the CEO and myself with um, a company for let's just say like a top employer type award and so um, this lady had known me for a few years and she looked at me and she said Sally you guys went from 10 to 100 Uh, you didn't have an HR department back then and, and now you obviously do what is it that made you successful to grow it to this part and and that kind of uh, emphasized a culture that is really, really healthy at absolute and I just looked at my CEO, I mean, as much as I want to take all the credit, I I really can't, and and that's the reality. I've been able to replicate what it is that he embodies uh, and put it within the programs that we've implemented, but it just, um, as much as I believe in it, it wasn't from me at all. It came from the very top.
0: And what are some of those programs that you think had the most impact?
1: You know, the programs that had the most impact are not programs, actually, um, at all. I mean, the one biggest thing that uh, really sticks with our employees is our work-life balance and our our family uh, orientation. So I could say we have a flex time policy and we have a health and wellness policy and this and that, but at the end of the day... It's being able to be human with one another. Hey, you need to get your carpets clean this morning. That's fine. I'm not going to ask you to take half a day off. Or yeah. your kid's really sick. We all have families, and so kind of having respect for each other as people um, is what has been the most successful within our organization.
0: That's really interesting because I found when when uh, companies kind of evolve from the startup phase where they are they you know really thrive on being flexible and move into scale up and bring in process, which is you know, a huge part of my role, they move away from that flexibility and you know start going, well, we need to uh, put in a policy for that and a policy for this, and we have to make sure that there's equality. And in some ways, it's, it's a great, having policies and structure for everything is great for managers because you don't have to think outside of the box. It's either, it's very black and white, but then you do lose that balance and humanness that I think is so important to keep at all stages of business
1: and oftentimes in 2017 something that we lose sight of is you know there is a lot of emphasis on employees being happy and and especially Millennials I mean that's something that is so important to them having a work-life balance and that's Mm. great but you know recently someone asked me why don't we have summer hours And, and my answer was we have summer hours all year long and the reality is that if our busiest time is the summer you may not be able to finish at four o'clock on, on Friday or at two o'clock on Friday, but in that snowstorm that you just couldn't leave your driveway. Well, you know, we were flexible with that as well. So that's conversations that we try to stay away from so that we can retain the flexibility even mm-hmm. if we are bigger. The things that we've put structure in that have helped us are things more like development planning and competency mapping and, and talking about succession. I mean, when you have fast growth in six years like we had, um, like it or not, you have to look at the risks of losing key members of your organization. So those are the things that we put structure around that were really helpful.
0: Yeah. Just for the listeners, telling and I are doing this in a what we thought was going to be a really quiet coffee uh, shop in the middle of... Uh, quaint town called Hudson, Quebec, um, but we've, we've, we're right in the high time of coffee, so if you pick up background noise, I apologize. Um, but so, we're having really good
1: coffee. It yeah, makes we it are. feel better.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a sponsored post by Nico. Um, so I think that's interesting, the succession planning, because when you're yeah. moving so quickly in, in um, you know growth or whatever it might be, very often you're just focused on how do we hire right now, how do we hire new talent? and not thinking about how do we retain or, you know, what does succession plan if a key VP leaves? Yeah, I mean, let's go
1: ahead. Sorry,
0: I, and what would you say, um, you know, for someone that's never, maybe they don't have an HR department, what can they start thinking about or implementing in terms of succession planning that would be helpful or have an impact? And I
1: don't think it's, it's dependent on having an HR department at all. But, you know, the way you started out your sentences, we're focusing a a lot on talent acquisition and and we have to continue to do that because you're still going to continue to hire with a long-term vision. So like it or not, you know, they're not all going to stick around. You're going to have a natural attrition for sure. Um, But natural attrition is something that you have to deal with. So you do start a talent acquisition making sure that you hire for culture, for long-term growth. And then as you go, you make sure that you have individual development planning um, that goes towards something that is feasible for the employee as well as the organization. Can't make empty promises either. Yeah. Um, But at a succession level, I always look at it from kind of the top up. So I'll have like a VP of this role. Um, and I'll look at the resources that report to him and, and sometimes they're not in there the ones that might be a succession in the mm. next six months or five years Whatever it is that you need and that will bring us back to talent acquisition to make sure that we do have people within the organization um, You can definitely hire from the outside. It depends on what you're looking for if you want someone to come in and kind of Break the mold a little bit yeah. and, and question some processes I hire from the outside um, if you are in a really healthy culture I mean, you may as well retain that and promote someone from within.
0: And so I guess, yeah, looking at it, you know, all your kind of senior level team and checking if they've got a right hand, so to speak, in place um, so that if, God forbid, anything were to happen to them or that they left, at least the whole department won't fall apart.
1: Yeah, and it's not just about talking about it from an organizational standpoint, but it's also at the individual level. So sometimes it can also be... Kind of uncomfortable for that one resource to be talking about their own succession Yes, you know, they're going to wonder well why where am yeah. i going are you going to release me and and it's so not about that really it's about either make, being able to enable you to do more um or you know like, unfortunately there are life events that happen and you have to be prepared as an organization
0: exactly so i want to make sure that we talk about both your role as uh, hr business partner with the absolute and you've got quite a large team there that you've built over the past few years. I also want to talk about HR-wise and the HRS system that you guys have kind of developed in-house and are now, um, you know, building that out and supporting businesses across Canada. Um, So let's start with your role as um, HR business partner at the Absolute and your role as a manager. So, you know, as you've grown the team, you've I'm assuming grown as a leader and grown as a manager what what are some of the misconceptions that you had about management when you started
1: <laughs> you know we were actually just talking about this before we started recording where um, you know you come out of high school and you're thinking I'm either gonna be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer or a manager <laughs> and you're thinking being a manager is it, it's a profession. And and at the end that's really not what it is I don't think personally Um, So I kind of fell into this role accidentally. Mm -hmm. Uh, Luckily, it did grow, um, but the management kind of came with it where I was you know out of time and, and out of feasibility to be able to continue to grow the team and I needed help so that's the mentality I had then that's the mentality I have now where I recruit um the team in a way that will make us better so uh, I totally believe in synergy two is better than one I mean yeah. uh, the addition of two is better than one and so when I go and recruit I recruit for things that we are blocking already uh, an ex- example I went on maternity leave a of years ago and I ended up hiring someone who was not going to replace me but was going to be able to kind of keep up throughout the year and stick around afterwards Mm. and I made sure to hire for a skill that I didn't have Mm. personally Um, she's an expert in growth and development and training um, and coaching and facilitating and uh, I think I'm more of a strategic mind and I can kind of think at a really high level um, but getting down and really thinking through development plans was not a strength of mine and still isn't to be honest. Um, so I've been really lucky to be able to hire in a complimentary
0: way. That's fantastic and I think uh, that's such a strength. Um, one that a lot of managers I think could uh, benefit from. My, I've picked up that this term management can really throw people off completely and a feeling that they need to be good at everything that their department does. And I'm constantly telling people like, no, you're doing you do one thing really well. You have to hire and fill those gaps within your team um, to make sure that you can, you know, deliver and execute really well. But do not feel like you need to to own all the strengths and to be able to say, I actually have no interest in developing in that area. So you can move on and hone in on your own skill set and focus on strategy and bigger thinking.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's the one thing that I've been lucky enough at Diocliter and HR Wise is that We've brought in a team of people who are very good at what they do and if we're talking about succession it's not always about retirement yeah Um, if one of my team members does want to go on mat leave or you know take a sabbatical or just honestly kind of pursue their dreams with whatever um, there is a specific skill set that we are going to be looking for that again will fill that gap and maybe add to it but um, that's that's the one thing that has really helped me develop this organization with anti yeah, and HR wise.
0: That's great and in terms of recruitment you know you, you mentioned a couple of times uh, recruiting for culture fit yeah how, how have you been able yeah. to implement that?
1: Oh my gosh I get, I get this question so often and I don't have an answer but, <laughs> but that's totally okay um, I think that if you live it and breathe it and embody it you can sense it from the other person mm-hmm. um, and then obviously there are strategies Uh, one of ours is that we did go through a cultural assessment um, Mm. four years ago where we were talking about uh, kind of finding our true north and from there developed our values Uh, the values were not only the CEOs but the organizations as well as the individuals values Mm -hmm. so you know if we're an organization that's charitable that's great are we hiring people who at the end of the night want to give back to that's, that's something that you maybe don't think about so much mm. in an interview process, but that's how you find, about, find out about culture. One of our biggest values is intrapreneurship, which is how HRYS came about. It's being an entrepreneur within the organization, coming up with new processes, new ideas, creativity. Um, and so we'll ask questions relating to that. What was your best innovation in your last uh, um, job? So it's, it's asking questions that are really aligned with the cultural values.
0: Interesting, and sometimes they can be non-related to role, but really focusing on attributes and attitudes. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. We had one person who had a side business um, as a photographer, and we ended up spending like 12 minutes looking at their pictures, and, and that's, they wanted to open up. I got a sense from that person uh, of a personality I hadn't really sensed in the actual organic interview. Um, And and that's what you're able to get out when you ask questions like
0: that. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. Thinking outside of the box, literally. And um, one thing that I always like to uh, give the listeners when I do these interviews is um, an insight to uh, learning resources that you might have used uh, through your management journey or continue to use. Is there any book, video, person that you have found really impactful that shaped you?
1: so many things I mean I've read a lot of books and I know that you wrote uh, a couple as well or or on your way to writing a couple (laughs) so books are really really helpful because I find that context within a book can always help you um frame it within your own environment without just looking kind of watching a movie in their own scenario so books are really helpful but in all honesty the two things that have left a significant mark on me the first one was while I was on maternity leave I wanted to stay engaged with the absolute and um my president gave me an opportunity to have a coaching, uh, a coaching session or a couple of coaching sessions with a mentor. Um, and she was just, I mean, it was a completely different experience for two reasons. One, both my feet were not within the absolute. So I kind of had Mm. less of a foggy view. I was able to see it higher level rather than within the weeds. So it was perfect timing to start that um, conversation. And she was also just such a great, um, um, coach, she brought me to uh, making uh, realizations without putting them in my mouth. So, yeah. definitely having a coach is one of the things that I recommend for a lot of first-time leaders. And then the other silly thing, um, speaking of podcasts or speaking on a podcast, <laughs> is podcasts. So for me, uh, I do have a drive to work sometimes there's just traffic, and uh, I have never complained about traffic ever since I've discovered podcasts. And there are so many great business podcasts, like Seth Godin, mm-hmm. the Startup Podcast, so many of those have really enlightened me, not just on issues that are happening in large enterprise or small, but really in a variety of different fields. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. I think podcasts are that great kind of like second hearing. You don't have to, I struggle to find time for book reading because um, you need to schedule it, but you can have a podcast on in the background and just yeah. listen Um That's great. I think that's super helpful. And I found uh, my answer to that question is always, always coaching. You learn so much about yourself. Um, You're able to then take the context of books or other people's resources and and apply it into your own setting when you have that self-awareness and understand.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? At the end of the day, we were talking about how we manage people and and we're all emotional and so am I. So there are situations that I got extremely emotional for and it's having that person who's not biased, who doesn't have... um, kind of a play in the game mm-hmm. who's able to kind of say hey Sally you know yeah. what's going on here yeah. what you're saying makes no sense so uh <laughs> yeah it's been really helpful and I, I still really were in touch and I admire her and I refer her all the time mm-hmm. she
0: was a great resource fantastic now I uh, want to make sure we talk about HR wise yes. which uh, f- fills a need that I think so many companies especially small to medium-sized enterprises Uh, have which is an HRIS system yeah so talk a bit about that and where it came from
1: yeah so um, like I said the HRIS need came from uh, the growth uh, Mm -hmm. so quickly so we were at a point where we were 10 people and by the end of that same year we needed to hire I think something like 20 people for a specific project in snowy Regina Saskatchewan <laughs> so um, it was really difficult and to hire 20 people everybody who does any recruitment knows just about how many uh, candidates you have to have had so I was kind of drowning in emails trying to find a way um, so that's how the need came up Is we started with the, a need for an applicant tracking and then you know just like any organization that whose managers are not really doing much management uh, I was tracking everyone's vacations and I was doing payroll and I kind of was wearing a lot of hats. Um, so HR Wise came about that need and came about the idea of empowering employees and their managers to own everything that falls within their responsibilities while letting HR become a bit more strategic and less administrative. So what we're able to provide is small, medium, growing businesses with a platform um, that isn't just a technology to facilitate your everyday needs, such Mm -hmm. as vacation tracking, but also that challenges you to think beyond certain things, beyond just the vacation tracking and and the performance management. What is beyond performance management? Well, let's look at the competencies of each role, and, and do the people who play in those roles currently have those competencies? And if they don't, how do we develop those? Okay, so let's talk about a development plan. And beyond the development plan, who might be fit for the succession. So it's being able to be strategic, even if you don't have the budget of a large enterprise. Mm.
0: And what I love about the kind of story and evolution is that it's a homegrown service designed by someone that was living and breathing the challenges of growing really quickly. I think I'm constantly looking into different HRS platforms because one, I find it really interesting and relevant, Um, But you can quickly pick up when something has been designed by someone that has not ever worked in HR um, because it's just the functionality is limited or whatever. So I think this is fantastic that, you know, like you were literally picking and choosing and cherry picking what kind of features you wanted to um, support your current context
1: absolutely and, and like I said I mean the president of D absolute had a lot to do with that because he was constantly challenging me to think outside of the box and so I, I give him a lot of credit for bringing me where I am today um, but when he says you know well what are we going to do in 2018 well it kind of brings about 20 other questions that you have to drill down and answer which included all of the features that we ended up um, kind of developing for HR-wise.
0: Awesome. wise um, And what do you think this, you know, in in these kind of growing businesses, these small, um, what do you think they need most when it comes to the people and process side of things?
1: You know, um, again, I'm gonna say we're in 2017 and there is this idea that process sucks and Mm -hmm. let's break it and put out our pamphlets and just like go against everything. And that's completely okay. but at the same time, unfortunately, unfortunately, millennials and other generations, they are looking for structure because you can work really, really hard. And at the end of the day, if there isn't a structure to show that person that they're working hard is going to pay off, they're just going to go. They're going to go to the next place. And, and that's why there is a bit more turnover in 2017 than there was maybe 10 or 15 years ago. So I think one way to diminish that turnover and to retain your talent is processes, um, showing the employee that there is a growth path somehow, and there are structured competencies that we're assessing that he needs to develop. Um, so I think that's definitely one of the tools that would help a growing organization retain their talent as well as having plans for their own growth and, and scalability.
0: Very much. I, I mean, for those of you still listening, I think you've just, you know, received a huge uh, like a golden nugget of insight there and you know maybe we'll chop this part up and move it to the front because I find that you know everyone's like, how do I retain talent or you know millennials are constantly uh, leaving for the next best thing or you know they don't we can't keep them. Um, and it's often down to the fact that they're not clear where they can deliver value. M- millennials are so motivated to do well, I think more more so than anywhere and if you can get them to be engaged, they'll give you a hundred and ten percent. But if you don't show them where to be, they're going to get frustrated and they leave. Um, and I think so. The focus on not having process actually bites people in the ass, and you know has has a less than desirable effect. Um, but thank you. That was very very insightful. Um, we are just reaching. Uh, the end of today's episode but you did mention you are speaking at an event in the next couple of weeks i am i'm
1: speaking on june 27th at the hr tech talk so if you are in toronto please join me and uh, I'll just plug it in a little bit because go we're it, actually yeah. giving away tickets right now. So if you go on LinkedIn and, and uh, check the HRYs page, or if you go to the HRYs.com website, you do have an opportunity to potentially win some tickets to um, the entire event. So would love to see you guys there, and it's going to be an exciting opportunity. When's the date? June 27th.
0: Okay, awesome. Well, I'll make sure I will plug this. The podcast is going to be out later than that, but I will promote that um, on social media and, and hope. Those of you that are listening were able to attend that event.
1: And exactly. I hope (laughs) some of you did uh, get to get some insight from that
0: event. Thank you so much, Sally, for uh, sitting down with me and chatting about your experience. It's been super insightful and really fun for me. It was such a pleasure for me. I can't wait to do it again. Great. Thanks. And that's a wrap. As I said at the beginning, we covered so much ground. I do hope some of it resonated with you guys. What resonated with me specifically, and in light of recent happenings at Uber and other tech uh, valley companies, was how culture starts at the leadership level. I too believe that culture starts from the top as it's the management team that makes decisions on which behaviors are appropriate, inappropriate, and it's those behaviors that then become the cultural norms. Changing culture isn't done through hiring new people as new people will tend to adapt to the environment in order to thrive or leave if they feel they can't fit in. Culture change comes from leadership enforcing new behaviors through recognition and reprimanding behaviors that aren't fit or in some cases illegal and downright wrong. In order to create the right culture, companies need to have a clear idea on their North Star or their vision and have clear goals that will bring them closer to it. The behaviors, attitudes, and mindset that are required to reach those goals, and it will be different for each company, should be promoted in all processes, in all development plans, and hiring practices. And this is what will shape a new and purposeful culture. Let's take Sally for example. Sally has been fortunate to have a CEO that puts a lot of value on people potential. Anyone that knows Sally knows that she has the entrepreneurial itch, and in fact it wasn't mentioned in the podcast, but Sally has started and sold a side hustle within the past seven years on top of her full time job. The opportunity he provided Sally was very much outside of the box, but it allowed her to grow personally and professionally and keep her entre- entrepreneurial needs at bay. This move provided immense value to Sally and, in turn, the absolute. Companies really risk losing great employees if they aren't able to provide outside the box solutions to growth and development. Too often, development plans are fixed and assume a certain level of linear progression. These really need to be revisited for the future of work, but we can cover that in another episode. Hope you enjoyed listening to this as much as I enjoyed pulling it together. Share it around to your friends and colleagues, and feedback always. Until next time, that's all from me, your host, Jillian Davis.